Well, good morning, church. Let me encourage you, if you would, to go ahead and grab a Bible and join me in the book of John, John's gospel in the New Testament, one of the eyewitness accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus that we have recorded for us is one of the, the four gospels in the New Testament pointing us to Jesus. And we're going to step into a scene with Jesus and his disciples this morning that I hope and pray will prepare our hearts to observe the Lord. Lord's Supper. You can see around the room, there's tables set up. We're going to be observing the Lord's Supper in a few moments together after, after this message. And so just once you know, that's where we're going. And once you know, for those who are online, if you want to join us for the Lord's Supper, now would be a time to go ahead and grab whatever you have available to you in your, in your pantry or wherever you are, some crackers or something, and join us for the Lord's Supper. That'll be happening at the end of this message. I do want to say, as you're turning there to John 21, we're entering into our final week of our 21-day prayer focus. And, and want to just thank you for, for your prayers and, and for so many of you who have been gathering with us as we have been praying Monday through Friday at, at 6.30 in the morning here at Shades. And, and we're going to do that again this week. So tomorrow through Friday, we'll be gathering for our prayer time at 6.30. We'd love for you to join us. But if you can't be there early, we do want to encourage you to continue to, to walk with us in the prayer guide uh, that, that, that are available all around the church. Grab one of those prayer guides if you don't have one as we enter into this final week of seeking the Lord very intentionally in this 21 days of prayer. Now, John chapter 20, I'm going to begin in verse 19, and we're going we're gonna to go for several verses here this morning. But I'd like to invite you, if you're willing and able, to stand back up with me as I read from God's Word. And if you're new to Shades, let me say this. Hey, we're glad you are here. Welcome to Shades. But if you're new and you're wondering, why, why are we standing again? We were just seated. Well, we stand at the reading of God's Word simply because the Word of God is our foundation. And we need to be reminded of the solid rock foundation that the church of Jesus Christ is built upon. We don't want to take this for granted at all. But this is what the church is built upon. The Word of God. The unchanging, immovable word of God. What God says is right and good and true. So each week we stand that we can be physically reminded as we stand up and think deeply about what the word of God lays before us. This is our foundation. This is what we stand on. And this is what Jesus says in John chapter 20, verse 19, is the apostle John sets the stage and then Jesus calls his disciples to something specific. It says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord and Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. And then listen to this statement. It's so important to who we are and why we do what we do as a church. As the father has sent me, Jesus said, even so I am sending you. Church family, let's pray together and let's ask God to use his word to speak into our lives and, 
And then we will be seated and continue in this message. Let's, let's pray. Father, we, we come before you now grateful for the opportunity to, to be reminded through song of who you are and what you have done and the good news of the finished work of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. For, for the words that were just lifted up in this room through singing, through, through music that remind us of who you are. And now as we turn to your word, Lord, thank you for giving us this holy and sacred gift in, in your word that, that leaps off the page, the scripture says, into our lives. It cuts to the matter of what is most dear and reveals to us what we need to see. And so pray, Lord, I pray that as your spirit moves among us, that your word would come to us in divine power in such a way that it, it allows us and calls us and invites us to see what we really need to see and hear what we really need to hear. And Father, it is my prayer, a, a, a very bold and even audacious prayer that we would not be the same today because of what you lay before us in your word. I'm praying that you would change lives today. Use this, do this for your glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, you may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. I want you to know I'm still thinking about the welcome. That was the greatest welcome I have ever been a part of in a church service today. That lady who stood up here is amazing. And for those who don't know, she was my wife. And it was awesome, awesome. Great welcome, babe. Hey, I do wanna say, as we enter into the Lord's Supper, I, I know that, that this is one of those moments in the life of the church that, that if you've been around the church for a long time, it's easy to go, oh yeah, the Lord's Supper, I, I know about that, I've done that many times. But I also know that if you're new to church and you hear this thing, Lord's Supper and, and communion and, and Lord's table, it's kind of like, well, what is this all about and, and what is the significance? And so just right out of the gate, before we even filter this through the lens of John 20, I, I just want to say to each and every one of you today how grateful I am that we get to observe the Lord's Supper together. Because this is an ordinance of the church, a sacred and holy ordinance of the church that has literally been passed down through the generations since the beginning of the church 2,000 years ago. And it goes all the way back to the night that Jesus was arrested, taken away to be hung on a cross for your sin and mine. The Bible tells us there's this amazing experience that is had by the disciples with Jesus on that night, we refer to it often as the Last Supper. Jesus took some bread and he broke it and he took a cup and he, and he said to them something that they really were struggling to understand, but he said, this represents my body given for you and this represents my blood shed for you. And we have the privilege on the other side of the cross and the other side of the resurrection of seeing what Jesus was talking about. 
That the Lord's Supper invites us to remember the incredible sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the price that was paid for the forgiveness of sin so that whoever trusts in Jesus by grace through faith can receive the gift of salvation, can be called a new creation, can be called a son or a daughter of the Most High, and can receive this gift of new life that calls us into something greater than ourselves. The Lord's Supper actually reminds us of why the mission of the church matters so much. And so with that in mind, as we prepare our hearts to observe the Lord's Supper and remember the cross and go back to the gift that that has been given through Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, we we wanna look at John 20 today because John 20 is is really the, the launching pad, if you will, for the mission of the church. Now, Now, we hold up a mission here at Shades Mountain. We have a statement that we use often. It's a very simple statement. It's two words. It is live sent. That is is what we want to be doing as a church. That is who we are. We are a people who have been sent into the world with the good news of the gospel. And we want that to be the statement that defines us so that we don't forget the mission. But I do want you to know, as you're gonna see in John 20, This mission statement, Live Sent, it's not real creative. It's not original to us. It comes straight from the mouth of Jesus. This is what Jesus calls his followers to be about, to be a sent people into the world, taking the good news of the gospel to the world with us wherever we go. And so we define live sent this way, leveraging who we are and what we've been given for the sake of the gospel, wherever we are and wherever God takes us. In John chapter 20, we see Jesus say, this is what I want my followers, my disciples to be about. But we need to understand the context as we see this statement of Jesus in John chapter 20. So look at verse 19, because it really does set the scene. And, and as is so often the case, the divine inspiration of the biblical writer is the spirit of God is, is really speaking through the apostle John here. In one statement, he, he shows us what's happening. In one simple statement, John chapter 20, verse 19, he sets the scene for the significance of what Jesus is about to do and to say with the disciples. Look back at verse 19. It says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Now, this is so significant because the launching pad For the mission of God through his disciples, through his people, the mission that would be passed down to the church from one generation to the next, the launching pad for this mission going out into the world. Listen to this. It begins in a room where the disciples are hiding in fear behind a locked door. That's significant. Why is that significant? Because my guess is if you and I were to really be honest and say, okay, I hear 
this mission. I hear what this is to be about, to go into the world with the good news of the gospel and share it with other people. Share it with those who don't believe. Share it with those who don't agree with us. Even share it with those who might be against this mission. If we're honest, that might create a little fear. I mean, can I just ask you, as you look at our culture today and some of the things that are happening in our culture, be it politically or be it cultural issues or, or be it justice issues or, or, or be it agendas of, of certain groups that are trying to push things forward in our day and time, let me just ask you, just, you just be honest, you don't have to say it out loud, but are there some reasons to be afraid if you're a Christian? Are there some reasons to, to be concerned or, or fearful about sharing the gospel in a world that more and more in our culture today seems to have not only no interest, but seems to actually be against this message? Well, let's not lose sight of the reality that when Jesus gave this mission to his disciples, they were in a room behind a locked door, hiding in fear, with very legitimate reason to be afraid. They had just witnessed Jesus taken away to a cross just a few days before this scene. They had just seen an angry mob so passionate against the message of Jesus that they did whatever they could to ensure that Jesus would be brought before the Roman authorities and found guilty of some made-up charge so that he would be taken to a cross to be killed, to be once and for all done with, gone. That was the hope of these religious Jews who were so angry about the message of Jesus. The disciples saw this go down and they're thinking, gosh, it's, it must be us next. Look at what they did to Jesus. Are they coming for us next? I mean, maybe you've even thought that before as you see some of the things that are happening in our culture. Look at what they, look at what they did over there. Look at what they did with, with the message of Jesus in that town. Look at what they did with the message of Jesus at that church. Are they coming for us next? You may think it would just be better if we could just retreat if we could just, we just wall ourselves off from, from the world out there, if we, could just, if we could just lock the door and make sure no one comes to get us. But it's in this moment, it's in this scene, it's in this reality of fear that is so, so legitimate for these disciples that all of the sudden we see Jesus. John chapter 20, verse 19, again, says the, the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. And then it says, and Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Now, I love what Jesus does here, and there is some mystery to what is taking place here. In fact, lots of different commentators have, have tried to guess as to how Jesus got in the room, and we, don't, we really don't know. John doesn't give us all the details. 
We don't know if the disciples were just distracted and, and Jesus kind of found a way in. We don't know if he walked through the wall. He's Jesus. He can do whatever he wants. All we know is the disciples were hiding in fear behind the locked door and all of a sudden Jesus is in the middle of the room. The first thing he says is something that anyone who is in fear needs to hear. Peace be with you. Some of you today, I know, I know you're walking through some scenarios that are fear-inducing. I know some of you have received a diagnosis that, that elicits fear to well up inside of you. Some of you have have walked through a really painful season in a relationship and that relationship is, is falling apart and it causes fear. So some of you have been in some tough situations at work or at school and, and you're not really sure how to navigate those situations and some of the things that people are saying to you or about you and it creates fear. And please, please don't miss the significance of this. In the midst of a room full of fearful men, these disciples hiding behind a locked door, Jesus shows up and says, peace be with you. Because wherever Jesus is, there is peace. He brings the peace of God with him and he invites people into peace with God through him. And as peace with God becomes the reality for these disciples, you're gonna watch this happen in these verses. Fear literally exits the room. For when we are reminded of the invitation of peace with God and when we are reminded of the reality that through Christ there is peace with God, the reasons we have to fear begin to fade away. And Jesus shows that here. As fear literally is removed from the equation as Jesus says, peace be with you. Why does this happen? Well, verse 20 tells the story. Look at John chapter 20, verse 20. This is absolutely incredible what Jesus is inviting us to see. If you, are, if you are fearful about anything at all, listen to what it says in John chapter 20, verse 20. It says, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Now, just as a little sidebar, I want you to know, I, I'm so thankful for this verse for, for several reasons, but one of the things I absolutely love about this verse is it's gotta be the greatest understatement in all of the written word, in the history of the written word. This has gotta be the greatest understatement. Why? Because all of the sudden, as the disciples are hiding in fear behind a locked door, Jesus is in the room. Jesus says, peace with you. Jesus shows the holes in his hands where the nails went. He shows the hole in his side where the spear of the Roman guard was thrust. And then John says, I love it. The disciples were glad that they saw Jesus. Well, I guess so. Are you kidding me? 
Of course they were. This is unbelievable what they are experiencing in this moment. Terrified behind a locked door. All of a sudden, is G- Jesus is there. He's alive. And he says, look, here's the holes. This is where those nails went. Look, here's the hole in my side. That's where the spear was thrust. And because I'm here, you have no reason to fear. You see, Jesus is actually reminding his disciples of something that he had told them before he went to the cross, something that he had told them actually earlier in his ministry. He told the disciples, there is is a reason for you to be afraid. There is something that you should fear. But oftentimes, what we are most afraid of is not the thing we should be afraid of. And Jesus is is, is showing the the holes in his hands and the hole in his side, showing that he has risen from the grave, showing that he has defeated sin and death. And I believe in this moment, reminding the disciples, hey, remember I told you there was something to be afraid of? There is one thing that every person should be afraid of. But right now, as you see that I have been resurrected from the grave, that I am alive with holes in my hands and a hole in my side, you have been given no reason to fear at all. Now, what do I mean? What am I talking about? What is it that Jesus said to his disciples is the reason why they should be afraid, we should be afraid? Well, I want to point you to it right now, Matthew 10. Turn to Matthew chapter 10. We'll go back to John 20 in just a moment, but Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, there is a very specific statement Jesus makes about fear and the one thing that we should be afraid of. Matthew 10, 28. Jesus says, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, here it is, rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, I I know that that is not a popular word at all in our culture. Hell is a word that that, that many people just are nervous to even talk about. And and many people, even in the church, want to believe that hell is not a real thing. But can I please tell you that Jesus talks about heaven and hell more than any other topic, really, in all of his teaching as it relates to what he's pointing to. He talks about hell as a very real place. In all of his teaching, he's somehow pointing to eternity and he's, he's talking about the reality of, of those who will be with God for all of eternity in heaven and those will be separated from God for all of eternity in a place called hell. A very real and literal horrific thing to consider. And Jesus says to his disciples in the midst of his ministry, hey, hey this should elicit fear. That you and I and anyone else would consider that there is coming a day when this life will end. 
We will stand before the Lord and give an account for our lives. And when that account is given, it will determine, do we enter into eternity with the Lord in worship and praise and celebration? Or do we enter into eternity separated from God in a very literal, real place called hell? That should be a terrifying thought. That someday you and I will have to give an account for our life and that account will determine are we in heaven for eternity with the Lord or are we in hell separated from God for all of eternity. But I want you to know this, and this is so important because in conversations about heaven and hell, oftentimes there's kind of this like fear-driven, you better, you better make this decision and like kind of this almost manipulation, trying to scare people. That Jesus is just being honest. And Jesus is speaking out of love. And he's saying, I want you to understand, there's a lot of things in this life that, that you often get stirred up about or, or fearful of. There's a lot of things in this life that, that create all kind of anxiety and worry in your life. And I'm just telling you, there's really only one thing that you should be afraid of, and that's standing before God and not knowing what to say. Or standing before God and saying, oh, oh, please look at the good deeds of my life. Did I do enough? Because Jesus wants us all to understand that the only way that we can stand before God and give an account for our life that will invite us into eternity with God is if we give an account of our life based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. And as Jesus stands before his disciples in this room, John chapter 20, he's saying, look, as you think about eternity and you think about standing before God, that should create fear in your life unless, and please don't miss this church, this is so beautiful, unless there is a savior with holes in his hands and a hole in his side. Because in seeing the Savior with holes in his hands and a hole in his side, you are seeing through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that the one thing that we should be afraid of has actually now been dealt with through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. This is incredible. And Jesus is now saying to his disciples who were hiding in fear of the Jews, look, you have no reason to be afraid. You don't even have to fear death and standing before God giving an account for your life because the wrath of God has been poured out on the back of Jesus at the cross and all of that sin that would separate you from God, it's been paid for. See, here's the holes right here, right here, right here. So now you have no reason to be afraid. Peace be with you.
And in this peace that you have with God through the finished work of Jesus Christ, if you by faith have received the gift of salvation that Jesus offers through the cross and through the power of his resurrection, you've been given a new life and that new life has a mission. Jesus tells us that mission in John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now, I don't know if it could be made any more clear here, but we live sent. Why? Because Jesus calls his people to live sent. This was Jesus' idea. As the Father sent me, now disciples, Christ followers, church of Jesus Christ, I am sending you. Why? Because you are the ones who have received the good news of peace with God. And you are the ones who have received the good news of sins forgiven. And you are the ones who have received the good news that you can stand before God and not be afraid of judgment because of the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross. And you can know that you have been given new life because sin and death has been defeated through the power of the resurrection. So church, I am sending you into the world with this good news. To follow Jesus is to be given a mission to take the good news that you have received to the world with you wherever you go. Which is why we say to live sin is to leverage who we are. To leverage what we've been given for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of this good news, wherever we are and wherever God takes us. For we are a people, the church of Jesus Christ, with good news that the world needs to hear. I love this quote from Pastor J.D. Greer. He writes this, is it is so often the case that we forget about this mission. He says this, we need to put forward a new mission, a new vision for the church. We, we should not allow people to see the church as a weekly service they attend to make God happy. For the gathering of the church is preparation for heavenly battle. We huddle together for a few minutes each week to worship God together, to build each other up so that each of us can more effectively run the missional play throughout the week. If believers do not learn to carry the gospel outside the church, no one is going to hear us. We might as well be screaming in a closet. Or I would add, hiding behind a locked door. So are you living this mission or are you hiding behind a locked door? Jesus shows the disciples they have peace with God. They have peace in the finished work of the cross and the power of his resurrection. So there is no reason to fear. And then Jesus puts the exclamation point on it in verses 22 and 23 as he says, you are given the power that you need to go into the world with this good news. Look at what it says in John 20, verse 22. It says, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive 
the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, what is this all about? Well, Jesus is actually giving us a a picture of what will take place for all followers of Jesus Christ from the moment of Pentecost. You can read about this in Acts chapter two, when the Holy Spirit falls on the early church and fills every follower of Christ with power of the Spirit from God to go into the world as witnesses, as an example with a testimony of the good news of the gospel. This is a gift given to every follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying to to these apostles right here gathered, as you receive this Holy Spirit, you will receive power to do what I am calling you to do. You're not alone in this mission. It's not up to your strength to accomplish this mission. It is all about the Spirit of God at work in you. And this is so important to remember. Because many times when we think about the mission or we even use that phrase, leverage your life, we can immediately begin to think about, okay, I need to do something good for God. That's not what Jesus is saying at all. Jesus is reminding us that the call to the mission, the call to leverage your life is not about you finding the strength to do something good for God. The call to leverage your life is all about trusting the strength and power of the spirit of God at work through us to do something that brings glory to God. This is about spirit-filled power. You can't muster up this strength or this courage on your own. This is all about the power of the Holy Spirit given to those who are in Christ. And Jesus tells his first apostles there, these early disciples, that in this power of the Spirit, you have been given the opportunity to share the good news of forgiveness everywhere you go. That's, that's verse 23. It's, it's a verse that, that sometimes can be a little confusing to some, but please hear this. this. This verse, verse 23, is not saying, hey, you get to decide who receives forgiveness and who doesn't. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying through the power of the Spirit, as you live as a people who are sent, as you leverage your life and take the gospel with you everywhere you go, whenever you share the gospel, you are sharing the gift of forgiveness. But if you withhold the gospel, you are actually withholding the gift of forgiveness that people need to hear about. So are we sharing or are we withholding? Jesus says, you've been empowered to go. You have everything you need to go, and you've been given the authority to share this good news about the forgiveness of sins. So take this good news with you everywhere you go. Because around you every single day are people who are being held captive in the power of unforgiven sin. 
and some of the worst decisions that are being made around you every single day are decisions that are driven by the power of unforgiven sin. So take this message, take this good news, and share this good news everywhere you go. So with that in mind, we come to the Lord's Supper today and and we remember this amazing gift of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ given for the forgiveness of sins. And yes, we are to remember what that means to us specifically. And yes, this is to, this is to, to lift up our eyes in worship as we thank the Lord for what he has done through Jesus Christ. But that's not all this is to do. This is to remind us of what we've been given that we get to take with us as we go. Now this afternoon, you'll interact with people who, who have never received the forgiveness of sin. Tomorrow, you'll, you'll, you'll walk into a, a school hallway or, or an office or, or, or you'll, you'll go into some, some club or some place to eat lunch or wherever you go. And there's going to be people around you who who have never received the gift of forgiveness of sin. And you get to take this gift with you wherever you go. So as we come to the Lord's table, we remember the incredible gift we've been given. If you are in Christ, you have peace with God. Your eternity is secure. Your sins are forgiven. You are a new creation and you have been called to a mission. So remember this good news and take and eat and take and drink and remember what Christ has done. I'm gonna have a word of prayer for us and then we're gonna open up these stations. They're all around the room. We've got them in the balcony. We have them in the back of the room, the middle of the room, the front of the room, pretty much everywhere you look, there's gonna be a station nearby and we just wanna give you the opportunity as you feel led after I pray to get up from your seat, to go to these stations, to grab a a little cup that actually has a piece of bread with it. And then you can return to your seat and we'll, we'll take these elements together after everyone has been served. But before I pray, I do wanna say this, and this is really important in this significant ceremony. The Lord's Supper is a ceremony for those who are followers of Jesus Christ, which means it's, it's not a ceremony for everyone. And so if you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, regardless of your background, regardless of what denomination you may come from, or or even if, if you're part of another church and you're just here today, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we invite you to the Lord's table. And we invite you to receive these elements and to, and to celebrate and to, to worship and to thank God for, for who he is and what he's done through Jesus Christ. But if you're here today and you're not really sure what you believe about Jesus or or you're here today and, and you're still trying to figure out whether or not you are going to trust your life to Jesus. Or maybe you're here today and you're saying, I just don't believe any of this stuff. Here, here's my request for you. And this is between you and God. My request for you is that you would just abstain, that you would withhold and, and not partake in these elements. Because please hear this. There really is no reason to do something that you don't believe in. And I want you to look around the room. I want you to know there is enough hypocrisy already in this church. Don't, don't add to it. 
And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying like none of us are perfect. We, we all are falling short. None of us are, are living up to what we would like to be the perception of how we live. We all have sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. And there's, there's just no reason to contribute to the hypocrisy in the church by going through the motions or doing something you don't believe in. And so I would just ask, if you're not a follower of Jesus, just let this be a moment of reflection. And I would ask, as you reflect, to ask this simple question, why do I not believe? Why have I not trusted Jesus? And maybe today you can't come up with a reason. And so maybe today is the day that you say, you know what? I'm ready to trust Jesus. And I honestly think one of the most incredible things to consider would be trusting your life to Jesus Christ. And the very first thing you do as a follower of Jesus is observe the Lord's Supper in gratitude for the forgiveness of sins that he's offered you. That'd be pretty awesome. So just say all that to say, hey, let's, Let's believe in what we're doing here. And if you're a follower of Christ, take and, and remember what Christ has done. And if you're not, just let this be a time where you reflect on what you truly believe. Let me pray for us and then we'll open up these tables. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace and the incredible gift of what Jesus Christ has done. And Lord, I, I'm so thankful that through Jesus, there is peace with God. I'm so thankful with Jesus that we have no reason to be afraid. I'm so grateful that because of Jesus, the, the worst thing that could happen to us has already been dealt with at the cross. And Father, we praise you for this incredible privilege of being able to step in with all of the saints of the past. This church ordinance of remembering the cross, remembering what Christ has done. Lord, use this time to be a gift in our lives, a gift for those who are following you. And Lord, use this to be a time for those who are wrestling with their faith or not sure what they believe to stop and really consider. Thank you, Lord. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All around the room, there are stations. You may get up from your seat as you feel led and get these elements and just return to your seat and we will take these elements together in just a few moments after everyone's been served.
In Luke's gospel, we see this last supper where Jesus gathers with his disciples before he is taken away to the cross to be crucified. And that's where we receive this ceremony. All the way back to the upper room on the night that Jesus was arrested on made-up charges and taken away to a mockery of a trial and then beaten, scourged, and hung on a cross for your sin and mine. He says to his disciples something that I'm sure they could not understand until after the cross took place, but he said, here's some bread, eat it, for it represents my body. Take and eat this now and remember the body of Jesus Christ that hung on a cross for your sin and for mine. And then it says at that meal, that last supper, that Jesus took a cup. And, and every time I consider this, it is, it is shocking just to think about what Jesus was saying to those disciples. As he says to them, this cup represents my blood. This is my blood. That's, that's a very strange statement. But it's only through the shedding of blood that there can be forgiveness of sin. We actually see that all throughout the Bible. The entire Old Testament shows us that sacrifices must be made for forgiveness. And they must be blood sacrifices. And Jesus, before his disciples, said, this is a new covenant with my blood, my sinless blood, the ultimate sacrifice for your sin. So take and drink this and remember the gift of the blood of Jesus that forgives you and makes you new. And let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this ordinance, grateful for this beautiful ceremony, and grateful of what you're doing in our midst here today. I pray, Lord God, that as we leave, we would, we would go in this good news and go carrying this good news that Jesus Christ has forgiven sin, that Jesus Christ has called us to salvation, that Jesus Christ has given us peace with God. May this be the story that we tell, the song that we sing, and the message that we share wherever we are and wherever you take us. To God be the glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.